So I've been MIA for quite a while because, you know, life happened, literally. Hello, everyone. Newsflash, I am now a mommy. What? I haven't published any new podcast because I was busy with my new career, mommyhood, to a very beautiful daughter who we named Clary Oriana, which means bright sunrise. We love the name and crossed fingers and toes and everything else we can cross that our little one would come to love her name too. Mind you, it's super difficult to find a name that is both unique and meaningful. Anyway, this is also the reason why my podcast will take a whole new vibe and why I renamed it Bright Sunrise. Most of the topics will be around parenting, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, the calm, and the chaos. This is sort of my diary as well, so I hope you join me here. I thought it would be fitting that my first episode as a mom would be for me to share my birthing story. Hopefully any soon-to-be mom listening can learn a thing or two, or for the seasoned mamas, I know you can relate with me as I recount that wonderful, yet frightening, but most importantly, life-changing event. Be warned, graphic content ahead. I gave birth last year, July 2020. Oh my goodness, how long ago was that? And it was during the height of COVID pandemic when restrictions left, right, and center were all in place. And I'll share more about that too. So for those who know me, you're very well aware that I'm not too blessed in the height department. I am tiny. I'm under five feet tall. So when we went to my OB for my then weekly checkup, checkups become weekly when you hit the 36-week mark. I was... 38 weeks pregnant then, and it wasn't a Saturday. My OB gave me an ultrasound, and after that, we sat down and he said, I am worried about your height. When you're pregnant, dear friends, your brain is somewhat foggy. It takes time to process stuff, so I was quite puzzled. What? What about my height? He then said I need to be induced right away because the baby is already at the right birth weight and if we wait for the 40th week, it will be difficult for me to deliver her normally. So he called the hospital straight away and made arrangements for induction the following day. I had to clarify if he was referring to tomorrow, Sunday. He might have seen this confused look too many times before, so he said patiently with a smile, yes, tomorrow. You know, I didn't know how I felt that time. I was just too shocked. I always imagined myself and actually was quite worried that I would be hysterically calling my husband from work and crying because my water bag broke and because of excruciating labor pains. I thought, well, this might be unexpected, but still a blessing in disguise. Scheduled birth probably is better given our situation. Because of the pandemic, no one in our immediate family members were able to come visit us. Not how I imagine it, but well, it just turned out that way. It was also at the height of the pandemic, so a no visitor rule was also in place at the hospital, as in only the partner or spouse can accompany the mom. This was the least of my worries then, but now as I look back, it makes me a bit sad that we didn't get to experience sharing such wonderful time with our family or closest friends. The video call with the family definitely is awesome, but it would have been more special if they were able to physically hold or cuddle our little one. Also, 
all our prenatal classes, which I was very much looking forward to, were all canceled. Well, in any case, still all signals go for the delivery. So we told our family that we were scheduled to go to the hospital on evening the following day. And we did a final check on our already packed bags. If you ask me, how did I feel at that time? A little bit nervous, very, very excited, but still predominantly in disbelief that I will be put into forced labor. So fast forward to 9 p.m. the following day, we went to the hospital. We went to the nurse's desk and after ID verification, proceeded to the birthing suite. After a bit of chit-chat with the midwife, she gave me dinner and showed Hobby the sofa bed where he can sleep. Hubby, by the way, was there with me all throughout the birthing process, as in from start to finish. My only companion and my partner in crime. At 10 p.m., a belt, which is actually a machine, was placed on my belly to monitor my contractions. I was then given uh, prostaglandin, which, which was applied, you know, down there. And this is to ripen my cervix. As you can imagine, it wasn't the most comfortable procedure. The effect wasn't immediate. In fact, it didn't have much effect apart from giving me the usual mild cramps. After about a little over an hour, the midwife checked the ripeness of my cervix, wasn't happy, so again reapplied prostaglandin. At around 3 a.m. when nothing was happening, they have to rupture my amniotic sac. They had to basically break my water bag. Before they did this, layers of towels were placed underneath me. And well, those towels did come in handy. As soon as my water bag was ruptured, I felt like gallons of warm water was gushing out of me. Bed sheets were changed and at this point I felt really sleepy. But it was just impossible to get a decent sleep when I checked when you know when i get checked and woken up every hour or so when my amniotic sac was ruptured the cramps became a little bit stronger but still very tolerable for me i thought at that time mm hmm if this is how it feels to be in labor then i think i can manage giving birth without an epidural little did i know that the agonizing pain that i would have to endure later even after an epi shot anyway Labor was slowly progressing. 6 a.m., I was given breakfast, which I wolfed down, and a little later, I was told I would be given an oxytocin drip, and this is to stimulate contractions and bring the onset of labor. Before that, though, they asked me if I wanted to get an epidural. The midwife said I can choose not to or choose to have it administered a little later, see first how I feel, and see if I can tolerate the labor pains. Totally up to me. Knowing that a needle will be inserted in my spine made me want to almost skip epi and play superwoman, but thank God I was still thinking straight at that time, so I said, yes, give me the epi now. You know what the midwife said? Good girl. <laughs> it was almost like she was strongly approving of my choice, knowing the consequence later on had I chosen not to. The anesthesiologist came in, a very friendly guy, all smiles, but it was only at this stage out of the entire labor process that I felt really nervous. What if something goes wrong? What if I move during the insertion and it 
and it messes up the whole process. I was very, very scared. A waiver detailing the process, side effects, and who knows what else was given to me to read and sign. Honestly speaking, I just skimmed over the pages and I barely understood the content. I was just praying the entire time for me and Bob to get through it. After signing the document, the anesthesiologist said it would sting a bit, but not too much, and that I should sit as still as I can. Gosh, it was nerve-wracking. I was also made to sit down a bit curled while hugging a pillow. The midwife offered me her hands to squeeze like a stress ball, and I think I might have crushed her bones to death because I was so, so nervous. The doctor said, okay, I'm going to inject now, and I took a deep breath. This was about 8.45 a.m. in the morning. By the way, I had to look back at our photos to tell the time. Otherwise, I've already forgotten what time this was. I felt the needle, and it did sting. Although it wasn't too painful, but I really felt it. A cool sensation running down my back, and it felt like forever, although it was actually over pretty quickly. A thread-like string was inserted into my spine to which there's a small button attached in the end which I can press if I wanted to have a top-up dose. The light would turn green if a top-up is available. Apparently, there's a certain time interval before you can get a top-up. Talk about only epi. I was given a light dosage of epidural so I can still feel the sensation in my legs and I was able to move it. I can also feel myself push, but the magic of epidural is that I cannot feel any contractions at all. I can only tell that I was having any by looking at the machine, which is like a seismograph that monitors my contractions. The graph would spike upwards whenever I have one. My blood pressure was monitored closely after I was given epidural because they said one of the most common side effects was a drop in BP. Well, true enough for me, my BP did drop. Not alarmingly low, it was still normal for my weight, but lower than my usual BP. At about 11 a.m., my contractions started getting closer and stronger. Again, not feeling anything, but just relying on the machine. All this time, the midwife would check the position of the baby and would say, Not quite there yet. The baby hasn't moved further down yet. My BP was checked and so was my temperature. I was running a fever at this point. I was injected antibiotics and analgesic to bring down the fever. I learned that this was usually brought about by long labor process. At around 12-ish p.m., I started to feel heavy pressure down there. And the midwife checked to see and, well, I had a bloody show, meaning I was almost fully dilated. At around 1 p.m., I was fully dilated, and this was when I started to feel extreme pain in my lower left pelvis. It was the baby's position causing this, and I was surprised that even after I already have an epidural, I can still feel the pain. This was also the time when I began active labor and so began pushing. With a midwife and my husband beside me, I pushed pushed and pushed and pushed some more oh god talk about a heavy workout this went on for 
until about 7 p.m., but our baby is still not coming down low enough for me to fully push her out. The midwife told us we might go into C-section since baby might start to get stressed from all the pushing. I was told to remove my rosary, which was wrapped around my wrist. I was praying the rosary the entire time as well as my wedding band. She told me to remove that since I shouldn't be wearing anything at all if I get into operation. You know, at that point, my husband and I just looked at each other and went, if that's what's best for the baby, then we have no other option. I really, 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 really didn't want to go into C-section. I know it will be more difficult to recover and I can't afford a long recovery since we don't have anyone else to help us. Also, my goodness, I thought after six hours of pushing, I would end up having C anyway. The midwife called my OB and after 20 minutes or so, he came in. The moment he entered the room, he told us, Hi Ritz, you should have the baby by now. And I lie there all exhausted and sweaty and thought, yes, I know, but she's refusing to come out. He checked the position of the baby and said, no need for C-section. He's able to do an assisted birth by using a vacuum. I was partially relieved, only partially because I know there are risks involved in assisted births. Low risk, but still a risk nonetheless. So my OB went and did his magic with the vacuum. When the baby is at the right position and that I can push her out, he shouted, This is all on you now, Ritz. Push, 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 push like there's no tomorrow. Crunch time is real. So about four strong pushes, I felt a warm body and saw my baby come out of me. She was crying loudly and it was such a magical moment and truly, truly unforgettable. God heard my earnest prayers and was able to deliver Clary normally. Clary was placed immediately on me for skin-to-skin contact while our OB guided hubby as he cut Clary's umbilical cord. I was just crying. Tears of happiness, of course. I was also relieved, extremely tired, but mostly overjoyed. Clary came out to say hello world as at 8 o'clock, 8.06 p.m. exactly, Monday, July 13. That means we spent almost a full day, 24 hours from start of induction to finally giving birth. After Clary was cleaned, weighed, and all necessary measurements were taken, what happened after is something that Hobby and I still talk about to this day and perhaps for years and years to come as we remember fondly that unforgettable evening. We thought we will be staying at the birthing suite because as anyone would have expected, I just gave birth. I was extremely exhausted, so weak with sweat all over my body, and I just lost blood from the delivery. Hubby hadn't slept well too, so we were both extremely tired. But immediately after Clary was measured and the birthing paperworks were given to me, we were told that we will be transferring to our own private room. A nurse came in and asked if I wanted help to shower and if I, you know, wanted to be assisted. 
To be honest, I wasn't too keen on having anyone scrub my body for me, so I said, that's okay, I'm fine. Hubby couldn't help because he has to look after the baby, obviously. I had to get up very shortly after birth to clean myself up, stitches and all. I had an episiotomy. My legs were so wobbly, I felt super dizzy. My muscles were sore and it was just, I think, my willpower that probably kept me functioning. I cleaned myself with a little help from the nurse whose only contribution was to pass me the soap and tell me I have blood on my butt. All this time, Hubby was busy packing everything away and getting all our stuff ready for the transfer. After cleaning myself, I went out of the bathroom and the nurse had a wheelchair ready for me. At this point, as I sat down on the wheelchair, I felt I was going to faint. I was lightheaded and super dizzy. Clary was in a bassinet, which Daddy was, was pushing along. We arrived at our private room and I got out of the wheelchair, transferred to the bed, all sore, and laid down. My legs started shaking, as in shaking. I've never felt something like that before. We had to ring a midwife to check on me. I told her my legs are shaking terribly and I was feeling cold, so she checked my vitals. She then said, all your vitals are no normal, so clinically speaking, you're okay. It's just probably from the adrenaline rush. Without any words of reassurance, I was told I should be okay. Much like, don't whine, dear. Your vitals are fine. It's all in the head. Anyway, she gave me warm blankets and that helped. The shaking went away after an hour or so. I just didn't expect our transfer to be in such a rush. It was as though I was expected to be back on my feet, like nothing just happened. But as I held clear, I thought, Everything was so worth it. Even through all the soreness, I was overjoyed. After transferring to our own room, that's when the real adventure started. We stayed in the hospital for five days, and the first week with a newborn is something that I never really expected. If I have one word to describe it, it's intense. <laughs> we were over the moon happy, obviously, as we finally get to meet and hold our baby, but the challenge that came with it, it was just something else. I've often used the word overwhelmed before, but it wasn't until I had a baby that I truly understood what that word felt like. I had a roller coaster of emotions in the first week. I felt overflowing love, but also fear, hope, worry, optimism, negativity, all at the same time. I had a crying bout as well, which I will probably share in the next episode, surviving first week with a newborn. My birthing story taught me a lot of things and made me realize that, you know, number one, a mother's love will endure all pain. The process that I went through, the pain, the fear, exhaustion was no feat, as I'm sure all mommies can relate to. But if you ask me if I would willingly go through that again just to have clarity, I would say yes. Yes, a million times yes without any hesitation. Second, that there can never be any books. 
YouTube video, journal, or even a podcast for that matter that can truly ever prepare you for parenthood. It is a demanding job and one that will change your life forever. Third, what they say is true. Your child will mean the world to you. He or she will be your everything and will both be your strength and your weakness. Fourth, you will have a whole new level of appreciation, respect, and love for your partner. You will get to see a side of your spouse that you haven't seen before, vulnerable yet strong at the same time. I am fortunate to have one that I can say is truly a partner through and through. One who shared everything with me, the joy, the tears, the sleepless nights, tons of sleepless nights. Fifth, they say it takes a village to raise a child, and I understand that now completely. But you know, the village is in lockdown these days, and so our village is just me and my husband. <laughs> but I realized that despite the not-so-ideal situation that we are in, we just found ourselves coping, no matter how challenging it was. When you have a little one whose life depends on you by some invisible force, God's work definitely, you somehow have that energy, that power to get through. It is tiring as hell, but you will get by. You will always somehow get by. And finally, this is probably more of a message and, an, and a positive affirmation to any moms soon to be, planning to be, or already are. I salute you. For the new mamas like me, I'm sending you virtual hugs. Know that you are doing great. Your selfless love is what makes you truly beautiful. You are simply awesome. We got this. Thanks for listening, everyone, and I will see you again in my next episode. Here's to more happy tomorrows, new beginnings, and bright sunrise. Bye!